Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, my name is Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our latest edition of It's Time For You. With over 70,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. In today's podcast, we're going to look at what to do with wet wool. And it's been something that you got, that listeners have been writing in to me about. So I thank you everyone for your feedback. So to find out a little more about what the seasonal conditions have done to the wool clip this year, I've invited Fiona Rayleigh from AWEX, who is a wool class, class of registrar. So welcome Fiona, and thanks for joining me on It's Time For You. Thank you, no problem. To the other Fiona, cheers. <laughs> Fiona, let's start with, it's, look, it's been such a wet season all across most of the state, but are there things that producers can do to try and help keep their sheep dry? Yes, it's interesting. Um, it's it's such a, you know, with the, the shearer shortage and the pressure that we've got from contracting teams to, you know, it's an age old thing. Keeping sheep dry is, you know, the growers responsibility. And it's always been one of the, the, you know, the greatest issues in wet weather, especially when you've got your shearers waiting to turn up. So there's a few things you can think about when you're keeping your sheep dry for the shearing team. Um, Especially when sheep are very daggy or full, you really do need to watch the sheep density and the pens that you're holding them in. I know it's not always possible to let them empty out before you pen them up in the shed. Um, that that causes some, you know, they'll um they'll muck up their pens, muck up the grating, and then lay in that, and you'll end up with with wet wool or what we call pen affected wool, where it's it's wet from urine and or dag, or you'll have daggy sheep that are rubbing up against each other um, if the pens are filled too tight, and then you'll get this this you know dung dung tip um, on the fleece as well. So always be mindful of, if possible, keeping sheep on grading and also not having them too dense in the pens and allowing them to empty out first. Um, the other thing that growers can look at is often they use makeshift areas to house the sheep to keep them dry. So they might be using machinery sheds or makeshift um, makeshift pens. Just watch those areas for contamination. We do see sometimes that you know there might be some perished um, plastics or tarps. It might be hay shed where we've got baling twine, um, and or it could be a machinery shed where they're rubbing up against your know, hydraulic fluid or tractors or around other equipment. So just watch that because that that form of contamination could could be disastrous. Um, at sale time. So make sure those areas are, are clean, sterile and, and swept out before you use them. In some instances, you're really looking for somewhere to keep these sheep to keep them dry. Um, so that would be my, my first recommendation is the housing of those sheep. 
Fiona, when we look at things, and I suppose I'd like to come at this um, question from a sheep handling and a shearing perspective, what's too wet? Yeah, look, we often, when you know, have questions, and it's it's a, it's there's two answers to this question. So there's too wet to shear, and then there's too wet to package. So one of them is a too wet to shear is an, an industrial workplace health and safety issue, and then too wet to package is a technical wall you know, wall preparation issue. So they're quite separate, even though um, you know obviously the cause is the same. Too wet to shear the the shearers would make that decision themselves. They don't want to be shearing wet sheep. But there are situations, obviously, where um, there's a lot of pressure from the contract team to work on. So I'm not going to say that it's not going to happen. There are instances where sheep are probably shorn when they shouldn't be shorn because they are too wet. In the first instance, the shearer would be saying that the sheep are too wet. So what happens is, from a health perspective, is that the, the ammonia and the vapour coming off wet sheep also the water, the moisture content in the wool becomes atomised with the action of the comb, the combs and cutters becomes atomised. So you're actually breathing in that water vapour and also, um, you know, working in wet clothing. So it can be quite serious to your health, not long term, but it can make you very sick um, working with wet sheep. So if the shearers refuse to shear, well, that is, you know, that is their prerogative. It is their right to refuse to shear wet sheep and it would be for their own health and safety reasons. The other issue then we've got if they're not, if they're actually shearing them wet, is that it's too wet to package. Um, and that's a code of AUX code of practice wool class of preparation issue. Is the, the code of practice clearly states that wool should not be packaged or pressed wet and must be dried. So that, that issue there is the, sorry, the, the decision that the wool class would be making. And less than ideal would be having those fleeces sitting around trying to dry them off the sheep wool dries much better on the sheep out in the paddock. Fiona, it's obviously going to be pretty vital uh, role the wool cluster is going to play in this. So what can they be doing to help make sure that the clip is being prepared properly this year? That's right. Look, I think that, you know, the obligation from the cluster is, is that there ha if there has been pressure to uh, press wet wool, they, the cluster is in the best position to advise the grower that there will be deterioration of the wool. It will start to biodegrade if it's pressed wet, um, and which is a serious issue down the track. It seriously affects the, the prices to the fact that David Quirk, who was speaking from Gemalong Wool in our webinar last week, was saying that there comes a point where wool that's been pressed wet will deteriorate to the point where it has no commercial value. Now, that defeats the whole purpose of the exercise and certainly David's advice was, you know, leave the wool on the sheep, don't press it wet um, because they simply can't handle it. And that's the communication that AWEX has as well in the code of practice. We're always thinking, the code of practice is written for our customer. So we would be saying to wool classes that to advise the grower that the wool can't be pressed wet. And if it has, then they must let the wool selling agent know if they don't have that contact with the wool selling agent, well, they can certainly let me know at the Australian Wool Exchange and then I'll follow that up on their behalf with the selling agent. And it's not just that it can biodegrade if it's severely wet in the packaging. It's obvious. I would think it would go further down the food chain as well here. And what sort of problems would this all pose for processing at the other end? 
in the first instance, um, David Quirk was explaining that when they at the core and grab sample, so what happens first is the, the wool is um, grab sampled, which is the representative sample that goes onto the show floor. They determine that the wool is wet there, then, then the whole process stops. Those bales aren't tested any further. They're removed from the core line and they've physically opened up to take the contents out spread them out and dry them. And I think David was explaining to us that they just at the moment don't have the room um, for that to happen. And I, I'm, I'm sure David said in the webinar um, last week that they were actually telling growers to take the wall back and open it up on farm to dry it out before packaging again. If the wall's been opened up in the wool store, in the wool handling um, facility, it does lose some integrity. Um, farm bales should remain as farm bales right through until they're first opened up at, at school scouring. So once wool's been opened and repackaged, it has to be identified in the sale catalogue that it's actually been reconditioned. It's been opened up, dried and put back in. And that has to be done under supervision because it, it no longer has that farm bale status. So our customers need to know that that wool has been opened and dried and then repackaged again. Oh, sorry. sorry, would that incur a discount? Yes, so that wool would be identified um, from the sales sample as having dried and been repackaged again. Depending on the level of deterioration, um, it could incur a discount. The other thing is also there is a certain amount of risk associated with the fact that it has been repackaged. So it no longer has that, um, you know, that integrity that it would have if it hadn't been opened up off farm. So once the wool has been um, identified as being wet at the, at the grab sample, if it happened to progress through to the coring, the core is a, a hollow tube that gets passed right through the, the full length of the farm bale from, uh, from base to, to the head. What happens with the wet wool is it actually, it won't, it won't push through the tube. So that core, then the contents, that hollow core expelled, and that's the core sample that goes to uh, determine the yield and the fibre diameter. So it just can't be expelled through the through the core tube, blocks up. So again, we've got another issue with with it being just handled through the, the selling system, the testing system. So that that would mean delays for the grower. So you know you might have a, a certain sale date that you're aiming for, and um, you might may not be able to reach that sale date because of those delays on the core and grab line, and and also through drying at the wall. I guess in a season like this, Fiona, would it be fair to say that not all wool potentially could be getting wet on the farm itself? How much of a issue is transport and storage? Oh, that's right. Look, I think you know all the best intentions on farm um, to to package to package wool correctly. We would be identifying bales of wool and how and when and where they got wet. So bales can actually get wet in transportation. Um, David Quirk from Gemalong was saying that they would certainly be advising the transport and the grower to make sure that they were transporting those bales um, in dry conditions, not in wet conditions. Wool sitting in trays of trucks, um, they will absorb moisture, they're like sponges, and that could be a source of damage to the bale. So I, I have been on a farm myself, you know, where we've filled the shed up, you know, classing out, we've filled the shed up with wool, the growers come in, with a trailer and a, and a bucket on a tractor to move those bales to a dry area, but it was wet raining and the, the tray of the trailer was full of water. So, you know, you just always be mindful of those situations that um, that could cause this type of moisture contamination and, and damage. Um, also the place where you store them on the farm as well. You know, you might be taking them to another 
to another area under a hay shed or something like that where the you know moisture might be blowing in on them so at some at some point bales will repel a bit of water but not not with continuous moisture so transportation and storage bales can get wet you know there's been instances over the years of wool stores flooding um, David was also saying that they're very mindful of how they manage their store to make sure that the bales remain dry. So they can also get wet just sitting in, in storage as well. Fiona, one of the things we haven't spoken about yet is just, we've dealt with wool obviously getting wet from the rainfall, but it's the continuous damage as well of, to the fleece while it's on the sheep. Are you seeing more colour coming through this year? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Um, a lot of lines that are affected by colour um, watercolour, so we actually call it watercolour, and that's that green, purple, red bacterial um, discoloration that you can see in, in parts of the fleece, especially on the, the withers running down the shoulder line. Um, we call it watercolour, we just want to separate it from the word stain. Stain is only used in the instance of dark urine stain. Um, so it, we, the watercolour affected areas, fleece rot, we've got some bacterial and some fleece deterioration unscarable colour, which is our deep yellow banding. We're certainly seeing that, especially on sheep that haven't got the bloodlines or the confirmation um, to be as water repellent as they should be. And they're, kind of, they're becoming more obvious, like everyone had, you know, during the drought, these, um, your breeding agenda might have been perfect, but now you're seeing um, cases where sheep just aren't handling the wet weather. So what the class would need to do is, everything's um, assessed as a mob basis. So you might have a mob that is completely affected by colour, in which case the main line would be colour. Or you might have parts, um, fleeces within a mob that have colour, which would be classed out and become a cl classed colour line. Or you may have portions of a fleece that are affected by water colour or unscarable colour, which you'd be skirting off and placing in a separate line. So there's three different classing strategies, if you like, separating mobs affected, separating fleeces that are affected or separating parts of fleece that are affected. A producer or a grower thinks that they've got um, a lot of colours starting to come through and they're noticing that. What's, when's the best time in the process on the, or on the table to pick that all up? Yes, that's right. So those portions of, of the fleece that are affected by watercolour, so the wool handlers as the fleece is being shorn, Obviously, they're seeing the shorn side up. Um, a lot of those, a lot of that cases, you can't see it from the tip side. So once the fleece is thrown on the table, which would be tip side up, that green watercolour isn't, isn't obvious. So the wool handlers are best placed on the board to identify that. Now, if they're in a position where they can actually take those portions of the fleece out on the board, that's fantastic. Um, but communication here, when that fleece is thrown on the table, as you would instruct your wool handlers to um, explain to the classer that this fleece has colour in it. Once the fleece is skirted, then the rolling process where you pull the fleece over and you're inspecting the shorn side. In these instances of colour affected mobs, that would be a predominant thing to do. You would be prioritising inspecting the shorn side on the table. And what sort of discounts are going to apply? Um, it depends on the level of colour. Um, so that's you know, we might be looking, and also the fibre diameter, obviously the finer the wool, the finer the merino wool, the more sensitive to colour it, it is. Um, definitely um, fine merino fleeces around the 18, you know, the latest P&D report would show maybe discounts of 60 cents on finer lines. 
Um, when you're getting into the watercolour, which would be identified with a with an N um, prefix in your uh, sorry suffix in your AOXID type, that might be up to a hundred cents discount. But obviously, those change season, you know, change weekly, um, and that just depends on supply and demand and how sensitive the the uh, processor is to that colour colouring. There would certainly be discounts that would apply. But I think we, what we we must be mindful of of is the wool is what it is. It is coloured, um, that's happened. We can't avoid it, but you know, the class are actually identifying those lines and keeping them separate from free wool that has no colour discoloration. Um, discoloration, that's probably where we want to be. We want to be in the place where the class can value add by separating out parts of the clip that are, are free of colour. Um, that's where the growers can really be looking at getting a little bit of a, a benefit from good classing. Thanks, Fiona. There must be a lot of people across the state who are certainly experiencing this problem for the first time in quite a few years. If they're concerned about any of the process at all, do you recommend they talk to their class at first or is there another place they can go for more information? Um, we've always we've got the code of practice which has grower sections in it and it's it's the you know it's the um, industry standard for clip preparation. We'd be happy to um, if a grower was wanting a copy of the code of practice for us to supply that. Um, all classes are issued with a code of practice at registration. So yes, discuss it with, but discuss it with your classer. But obviously, when we were speaking with um, David Quirk last week in the webinar on handling wet wool, he is a wealth of information on his advice to his clients, as would any other selling agent. They'd be looking to help you catalogue that wool um, and putting the best processes in place to limit. The, the risk associated with getting wool wet and also assisting the classer in the separation of those lines. And Fiona, just before we finish up, your website where they could go for more information, that's www.awex.com.au, correct? It is, yes it is. Yep, so we've got some um, resources there. I think, you know, the thing to remember is that if we have wet wool, we're actually just passing the problem down to someone else, um, you know, on farm, we can go through the process of, you know, shearing and packaging and classing out, but if that wool is wet and it starts to deteriorate and it gets through right through the pipeline to our customer, you know, I think we had last week when we had our webinar, we had some pictures up there of some severely deteriorated wool. And there was a claim that came in against the purchase of that purchaser of that wool. I think it must have got wet prior um, post sampling, so it wasn't identified at sale. So it is a serious issue and to the point where that wool has no commercial value. So everyone right through the pipeline um, needs to be aware of it. It's in everyone's best interest to make sure that we're doing the job right. So contact AWEX, more than happy to help. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for joining us today on It's Time For You. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. If you haven't done so already, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Australian Wool Innovation podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au and you can find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events during the year. Thank you again for joining us today. Bye for now.